Hi, this is Dave Summers, and welcome to AMA Edgewise. Ash Sadiq is author of the books Meaning, How Leaders Create Meaning and Clarity During Times of Crisis and Opportunity, and Start with a Vision. He's also the co-founder of the Executive Greatness Institute, where executives come to enhance their executive presence and develop a thought leadership platform for internal and external communications. Today, we're talking to Ash about his experience coaching leaders and facilitating AMA seminar, moving from an operational manager to a strategic leader. Now to start, we're going to talk to Ash a little bit about the Franklin Covey concept. And actually the AMA provides the public seminar business as it relates to the Covey programs, specifically seven habits and also five choices. But we're going to talk to Ash about seven habits of highly effective strategic leaders. Ash, welcome to AMA Edgewise. Thank you very much for having me, Dave. Okay. Let's just do a quick review here. A lot of people know them. A lot of people don't know them because it's been a while. They've been around, oh, God, like 30 years or so, 30, 40 years. What are the seven habits and why are they important? When we take a look at leadership and we look at the number of skills that they need to become very strategic, I basically looked at the spectrum of a lot of research, whether it's from Harvard or Stanford or any of the leading business schools, as well as also from personal experience working with leaders in companies such as Oracle. Cisco, Deloitte Touche, and many others, I basically have come to find that the seven that are most important are, number one, they need to take time to reflect. Essentially, reflection is a key point here. The second one is they need to be able to create tension, which is essentially the tension that exists between where companies are today and where they need to be. And then the third one is to create meaning. And by meaning, we essentially are talking about helping everybody understand why do we exist as a company? What's our vision? Where are we today? Where are we going? And how we are going to get there? And also, what's in it for me when we get there? Then number four is leaders need to become relentlessly impatient. And this is because one of the business professors basically said that strategy is about winning. And if there's no one there that's really creating enough fire in the organization, then we will basically slow down and other people will actually beat us to to market. So being relentlessly impatient is really about having an execution mindset and really driving the organization towards achieving the vision. And then number five, it's all about communicating effectively. And within that capacity, it's the ability to build networks, build buy-in and build trust, really knowing how to work inside the organization as well as outside the organization. And then when we look at number six, it's all about my friend, Naidu Kubain, the president of High Point University, told me when I was interviewing him for the book, he basically said, leaders need to build capacity. They need to understand the only thing that can happen in any organization is going to happen through people. So you need to be constantly thinking about how can I up-level their skills, how can I up-level their mindsets, and how can I also build leaders that follow the other leaders that exist today and really have an ongoing bench of top quality leaders in the organization. And then lastly, which something a lot of leaders don't pay attention to, is this whole idea of getting out of the way. A lot of the time, leaders are driven by what they themselves like to do, but at some point, you need to get out of the way and let the team that you lead really take the charge and move forward. So these are the seven habits that I have essentially called out of a large body of research to really make sure you focus on the ones that matter most. 
What's the core competency you see that's at the heart of strategic leadership? I think the core competency is definitely the ability to reflect on what's going on and really look ahead, travel to that future place where you as a leader in an organization, you can see yourself going to and then be able to come back and work your way into what is it that we need to do in order to get there. So it's basically really tying up everything you do to that future vision and making sure that you continue to align and course correct. Because without having that anchor, you basically end up just doing whatever everyday tasks are. But it's really essential to reflect on where we're going, keep that insight, what that North Star is for your organization, and keep charging towards that direction. Then everybody's very clear on where we're going. And how do leaders develop these competencies? I, I assume they can be taught, people can learn them. They can absolutely be learned. The only issue is that when we take a look at a very large body of research, you find that only 6% of leaders are actually strategic, which in a sense, if the American economy is multi-trillion dollar in value, that essentially means we're losing billions and billions of dollars of value that these companies can create only if the leaders were much more strategic. So the question is, as you said, how do you actually develop those skills? And the very first thing we're going to ask leaders to do is, again, going back to that core competency, is to stop and take time to really have that reflection time to make sure that you think about all the different dynamics that are happening within the organization. So at the very least, the very first thing they want to do is pause and look for opportunities to develop either within a group setting or through executive coaching, working with their own executive team working with their board and really figuring out how do we make sure that we're constantly taking a look at the strategy and we're constantly really building up capacity within the organization to help us get there. So I definitely see there is a way to develop it and the only way you can develop it is by doing it and by showing them where to focus and hopefully with our conversation today, Dave, we're giving them the seven competencies that they need to actually work on. Now, you lead seminars with operational managers from many levels within the organizational pyramid, let's say here. Now, they want to become more strategic. That's the intent. Exactly. What process, if you don't mind sharing with us a little bit, what process do you use to kind of bring them on board? The way we actually go about doing it here at AMA and also when I work with other companies is the very first thing is we need to get people to really understand what does it mean when we are in a leadership role? Because a lot of the time, and you see it happening a lot. Every one of us, we've been there where you get promoted and you are now in a leadership position. Unless you make a mental shift between the things that used to give you joy, the things that used to give you excitement in the previous role and walk away from them and start really thinking about now it's all about my team. It's all about my organization, how I can actually chart out a path for them and help them as they move forward. That's really what we'll start. We'll start by getting them to reflect on what are the things that used to really give you a lot of joy in the previous role. Now that you are in a leadership position, you're going to have to change what those things are. And you need to get excited about developing others. You need to get excited about sharing your vision and communicating where we're going and then working with your team as a coach to really help them move the needle towards that vision that you have charted for them and make also sure that they are actually shaping that vision with you as well so they can get a sense of ownership. So we essentially walk them through an understanding of what the role is, what that shift means, and strategic thinking really steps into the process where 
we then start helping them figure out what's the why for the organization, what are the customers that we're serving, the clients that we are serving, the type of experiences that we are trying to create for them, and then we work our way back into how do we then articulate our vision, how do we articulate our mission, make sure that we also have a very good assessment and a scan of where the organization is today. So then you can start really spelling out if these are our objectives, then you back into the whole idea of what skills do I have on the team? What skills do we need to have in order for us to achieve what we need to achieve? So we essentially walk through that thought process so that by the time they walk out of the program, they have a sense of how this process works. And then we talk about the idea of having a meeting with myself for each one of these leaders. And when I first mentioned that, they're like, what do you mean? A meeting is typically two people. And I say, I'm calling it a meeting because I really want you to have it on the calendar on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis, because that's when that time for reflection is going to pay a lot of dividends. So that meeting with yourself is really about you being strategic every single week, every single day, and then throughout the year as well by making sure you take the time to think about what are we working on and how does what we're working on really align with what we are trying to achieve as an organization and where we need to go. That way, you don't get basically sidetracked with a lot of operational to-dos and tactics and forgetting about where we're going as an organization from a strategic point of view. Very cool. Now, when these managers do sit in a classroom with you or they attend a workshop with you or seminar or whatever, what are some of the challenges that they bring uh, or problems they're looking to solve uh, when they come to this type of thing? What, what, are the, what are they trying to figure out? I think one of the key things is definitely the challenge between the fact that most teams are given more than they can accomplish. So they definitely have a lot more to do than they have resources. And then the next question we're asking them to do is, we need you to be more strategic. So unless we give them a good strategy for taking a scan of the activities that they are busy doing on a daily basis, so basically what I actually ask them to do, I ask them to get up and on a flip chart, have two columns on the left-hand side, these are the activities that I'm doing today, and then we look at that mix of activities and then say, in order for us to get more strategic, something has to go off of this list. And it's either we're going to delegate it or we are going to basically look at it and say, you know what, we used to do this for a long time. We don't need to do it, be doing it anymore. So we look at what do we need to start doing, stop doing, and do more of. And then we start building a new list of tasks that we can do on a daily basis that will help us create a strategic focus. So to answer your question, the key challenge is they never and very rarely do this whole idea of let us refine and continue to fine-tune how we're making use of the most important asset, which is time. And then the next asset is the resources they have, which are the people on their team. So I get them to reflect on how time is being used, how the resources on the teams are being used, and what activities are they doing and then we start thinking, how can we actually optimize that list? And we talk about the concept of the highest and best use, which is a concept we bring from the quality management industry. And the goal here is to really make sure we're focusing on what matters most, the activities that are going to give us the highest dividend and benefits and results. Do you have preferred models or approaches that you use to shape, for instance, these management attendees to your workshops to help them shape 
their strategic insight? Absolutely. And for me personally, I think it's really driven by my own story of working at a management consulting company in San Francisco, Deloitte and Tuish, where this whole idea of having the mindset of a management consultant, in my mind, provides a very beautiful model for how leaders need to think about their role. And that really kind of brought me to this whole idea of leaders, as we said in the second competency, leaders need to be tension creators, which essentially means in order for them to be very strategic, they need to constantly anchor up to where we are going as a large organization. So basically, when I start the day with them, I basically say, here's my story. And then I ask them, what does it mean in your own mind to work with a management consultant? And they basically start saying, you know, things such as, this person needs to know my industry. He needs to know what the trends are. He needs to bring insights to the table. And then I basically say, now, when we are strategic leaders, it's exactly what our companies want from us. They want us to come to the table with insights which essentially means we need to have the time to study the industry. We need to have the time to study the company as a whole and not just be conscious and cognizant of the function that we are in. If we are in accounting or HR or customer service, we need to step out and get a broader view of how the whole company functions. So we start looking at Michael Porter's value chain model and try to understand how the different pieces of the business come together. And then I share with them what I call the tension index, which is basically a way of looking at if we come up with new ideas. In the beginning, this idea, we can basically give it tension level number one, which essentially means it's a very simple idea. We're just starting to think about it. And then I get them thinking, well, how would this look like when we start doing it across a number of departments or we start doing it across the whole company? Then we start looking at the level of tension and change that this is going to create, and also the kind of conversations that we need to have in order to find out if this idea that we're thinking about is actually worth pursuing, not just by us, but across the organization. And this really sort of translates into how they are able to identify an opportunity and then back it up with specific steps that will actually help them to be strategic and make sure that the rest of the business is going to work with them towards creating success and understand what the impact is going to be to the business so they can consciously get everybody in the organization ready for the birth of this idea and make sure that it's going to actually be very successful when it's born and also create some profits for the company. Excellent. Now, in addition to what happens in the classroom, you do an awful lot of one-on-one coaching with leaders. What have you learned from these coaching conversations? I think definitely being someone who coaches leaders one-on-one and also spends time with leaders, let's say in a workshop format, is that I end up learning a lot when I'm doing the one-on-one executive coaching. And what I have found in many cases, as we were saying earlier, the very first thing that really comes across is the fact that this leader that I'm talking to has a hard time essentially divesting, in a sense, divesting from their past life. If they were an engineer, they have a hard time giving up 20 plus years of their life that they have invested in becoming an engineer. Because what starts happening is that they have developed, and I explained to them, they have developed an emotional attachment to engineering, and they have developed an emotional attachment to the excitement that engineering produces. And then I basically tell them, 
in order for us to succeed as leaders, we're going to have to part ways in a big way between us and engineering, for example, right? And then we start thinking about, in order for us to succeed as leaders, we need to shift our focus to becoming more as someone who is a visionary, someone who also understands how he or she can create execution plans, and how does he coach everybody towards that execution. So executive coaching has really become a very nice window inside real examples of how leaders are struggling with what is it that I should be doing every day? And also, how do I exchange the things that used to give me joy in the past with new things that give me joy in the present moment as well as into the future? So that's actually the benefit that comes out from one-on-one executive coaching that I'm doing. What have you seen in terms of common threads among leaders? And, you know, obviously you string enough of these conversations together, you're bound to hit some common points, common themes and stuff like that. In terms of what's challenging and anything reoccurring there, and after you have that information sort of in hand, how do you help them become better leaders? Well, we actually see a lot of the time, because they are so close to a lot of the issues, they have a tendency to underestimate the impact of change that's happening around them. And they usually get frustrated because they believe that they have taken the time to communicate with the leadership team that they're working with, with their staff, where they're going, and what needs to happen to get there. But most cases, they actually found that things are not happening as fast as they expect. And then they come back and say, I underestimated the change, and I underestimated what needs to happen in order for people to shift. So the common thread here is that most leaders, because it's almost like when you are in the car and you put your hand on the horn, you're not the one who's going to be essentially spooked by that, but everybody else in the car usually does. And the same thing happens when you're leading change. You're so close to the issue that you think, oh, it's just straightforward. All we need to do is move this from here, move that from here. But what leaders need to do, I have found out, is they need to understand that part of that change is for them to become communicators on a daily basis. As we said, they need to create meaning. People want to find out why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we making that change? So the common side here is understand your role much more clearly and then also understand that change is happening around you and you need to be communicating what that change is constantly and repetitively. And every time you do it, the challenge for leaders will be to do it as if they're doing it for the first time so that they can bring excitement about what that future looks like to the point that now I'm actually sometimes talking that leaders need to become chief excitement officers because people want to feel that it is actually going to be amazing when we get to our destination. So unless someone reminds us every day with excitement about what that destination is, we're not going to move there fast enough. What's one thing, if somebody listened to this podcast and like, wow, this is all awesome stuff, what's one thing they can do to get started right away with this idea of becoming more strategic? That's a great question, Dave. So I think we have two things that they can do. One is to grab their phone and schedule a weekly meeting with themselves. They can basically call it meeting with myself. And that meeting is where they really do that reflection. Some executives do this on Sundays. We're not necessarily saying, you know, give up family time, but you can definitely block time on Friday afternoon to do the reflection for the coming week. Every single week when you do that, you will actually be much more successful because you'll be ahead of the game and you can actually course correct and course fine tune 
into the week that's coming up and the rest of the month and the rest of the quarter. So you could do that. That's essential. And then the second piece is to think about scheduling 30, 60, 90 day meetings with your team where, again, you're looking at how can we continue to fine tune how we are tracking to our strategy, how we are tracking to the future vision, and make sure that you are continuing to adjust that direction and make sure that all the activities that we are doing have very high relevance to that end goal in mind. Because without making sure we have high relevance, we can end up getting sidetracked. And that's really where we lose sight of where we're going. And then somebody stops us in the hallway and says, Jim or Sandy, you guys need to be more strategic. I'm not seeing the things that I should be seeing. I see you working and busy, but I'm not seeing the results that I'm looking for towards the goal that we have essentially set for ourselves. We've been speaking to Ash Sadiq, author, coach, consultant, and we're lucky to have him as an AMA faculty member. He's very much involved in the execution of our class, moving from an operational manager to a strategic leader. Ash, this is extremely cool stuff. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you very much, Dave. Follow American Management Association on Twitter to learn more about upcoming free programs, the latest news, management insights, and special offers. You can follow us at A-M-A-N-E-T. That's A-M-A-N-E-T. Hope to tweet to you real soon. feedback very seriously here at the AMA. If you get a minute, you have some thoughts about this program or additional questions, just send an email to us at podcasts at amanet.org. 